Hello and welcome to Finding Genius. My name is Kyle O'Brien. I'm the founder of Startup ROI. And today uh, I have the pleasure of speaking with Pierre Touzeau, who is the co-founder of CLAP, which is an asynchronous meeting tool for distributed teams. Pierre, welcome to Finding Genius. Thanks for coming today. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Um, so I wanted to dive right into it, uh, talk a bit about your background. I know you spent uh, the early parts of your career at L'Oreal, which uh, for those of us based in France know that's kind of a, a breeding ground for uh, marketing executives uh, all over the tech scene. And then you spent some time at 360 Learning, which is another you know, highly regarded French tech startup, uh, did some international expansion, I believe, in, into New York City. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about your, your background, uh, kind of your entry into, uh, into marketing and uh, in the tech world and how that might have shaped uh, some of your approach to uh, company building, startup building today. Yeah, so yeah, thanks for asking. So I think like uh, it's a pretty funny story because I think it's not very common to actually like make the shift from like a big organization such as L'Oréal uh, to a company like uh, 360 Learning because when I joined, uh, I think we were maybe like around 25, 30 people. Okay. Uh, and I think like it impacted me for like two different like aspects. I would say like the first one is really like the way I approach like marketing, which is very like B2C oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, and the second part is more about like the way I approach like a future of work, future of organization, etc. And and basically like what we are doing today at Club with like which is like the meeting issue. Um like switching from like L'Oréal, which is like super meeting centric company, mm -hmm. any type of like decision happens in the meetings, etc. Uh, and then when I joined 360 Learning, we actually like, we had like a no meeting policy. Right. Uh, so everything was based on asynchronous collaboration. Uh, we used to use like Trello uh, to make like any type of decisions and so on. And so I would say like for four to five years, I've really learned what it means to build a culture around like asynchronous collaboration. Uh, I saw like the big meeting centric company with L'Oréal. Then I experienced like the no meeting policy with like uh, 360 learning. It's something that was really hard to scale. Like we didn't manage to maintain like the no meeting culture. Right. Um, and also it was also for me good experience to learn what it means to build a culture around asynchronous collaboration, but also like all its pitfalls, all its limitations, etc. In terms of like use cases you can cover, but also in terms of like culture you are like building. And I think one big discovery was like if you want to implement asynchronous collaboration, if you only rely on like async written communication, you are going to build like culture that are like kind of like geeky niche, like the one you can find, for example, like GitLab, Zapier, mm -hmm. Alan in France and so on, like to sum up like companies of culture of people that don't really like to talk. Right. And I think it's part of the reason why we, we started Clap is we to say, okay, uh, today with like this shift to distributed work, uh, you need to master asynchronous collaboration. Mm -hmm but we miss a format in between written communication and meetings, which is like more interactive, more engaging and so on. And that's typically like the kind of stuff that we are like trying to create with CLAP and what we call async video collaboration. And, and I think it's part of like this, I don't know, like pass from like L'Oréal to 360 yeah. Learning that brought, that brought me a lot. And uh, on the second aspect, which is more about like the way I approach like marketing, you know, like the, the, I think the cosmetic industry, the beauty industry in general, it's, it's pretty interesting because in terms of like product innovation, 
uh, it's almost like um, as uh, the no code industry, but maybe 10, 20 years ago. Uh, basically, you don't have like tons of like big product innovation. So it's really hard to build a defensive product purely on like a technology. Um, like all the beauty products in the end in terms of like a, a mix, like a formulation and so on. It's, it's really hard to do something very, very different. Mm -hmm. So the way you build something different is uh, first is in terms of like, I would say like product positioning and also it's in terms of like a brand building. And in the end, like you really need to deep dive and understand about like the key insights and problems of your users, but also about the perception of the product. So for example, like um, one key stuff I learned at L'Oreal was like, And it's really something I loved doing was when you do like a qualitative research, qualitative like testing, you know, when you, when you work. So I was working on like on the product development. So basically my job was to create like the kind of product you see in store in two years, three years and so on. And you have like the first phase, which is like you basically like you write the concept about your uh, new range, your new product, etc. Right. Like starting with like the kind of problems and key consumer inside that you are trying to solve uh, and then you uh, write a new concept uh, but most of the time and then you try to build the formula to 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 formulate with like le, your laboratory the formula to answer like this uh, this insight and this problem um, and and one part of the development is to basically test the concept with like women so what happens is that you do a lot of like qualitative research so you are like a Uh, you know, like behind the shades, uh, and then you have like someone basically like uh, showing to people like your formula, yeah. uh, uh, your new concept, like uh, your new packaging, and so on. And then you really learn like uh, uh, to detect like the way people react mm. uh, to your new product. And I think one key learning was uh, often what is the most important for like uh, users and consumers is not what you expect at first. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and what triggers emotion is not what you expect at first. It's not like some complex technology. Uh, it's more like the fragrance. It's more like the color. It's more like the visual and so on. And in the end, like the, I, I think like uh, people that don't really care about like your technology and your uh, product, but they really remember about like the, how you made them feel, uh, when they, uh, expands your product when they expands like your brand your website etc sure. and you really need to pay attention to that and i think like the what happened in the beauty industry uh, is now happening also in the software industry because like today it's it basically it's really easy to build a new software yeah. and uh, with like the shift to like the no code era um, it's not that complex to build like uh, to build new products so it's really about understanding like the kind of problems that you want to solve, design the best problem to solve like this specific problem, but also in terms of like experience, uh, both in the product, in terms of UX, but also in terms of like communication, narrative, storytelling, even like colors or typography and so on, is really about uh, triggering the right emotions for your users. And I think it's, uh, it's really something I learned working at L'Oreal Uh, and it's really something that struck me when I joined the B2B space was like how far it was compared to the B2C mm. world in terms of like um, really understanding people. Because I think like most people in the B2B, they think that uh, they speak to companies. But in the end, I think like, it's just the same type of people 
uh, that buy like personal stuff yeah. and that also like buy software in organization. It might be a bit more complex, but in the end, it's, it's uh, still about people. And, uh, and we see like more and more like this shift to like B2C marketing applied to B2B marketing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very clear looking at your website that that is kind of your, your frame of mind when, when designing <clears throat> the personas that you're going after and the messaging around the tool. I mean, the, the, the website is colorful, it's playful, although it is a, you know, in a sense, a, a B2B tool, uh, you are addressing more of a B2C audience. Um, so maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit about the idea for CLAP and then how you were able to apply the learnings from 360 Learning, uh, from L'Oreal, uh, your entire kind of, kind of marketing uh, mindset uh, to driving user acquisition and, and building a brand around uh, you know, a, a tool uh, that, like you said, people, people don't care that much about the technology on the back end. They care about how it makes them feel or the value that it brings them or the time that it saves them. And, uh, from you know, just a quick glance at your site, it's very clear that you make that messaging uh, front and center. Yes. So, so um, to explain what we are building with with Clap and 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 the kind of playbook and framework that we apply, but what what we are building at the moment is that what we call asynchronous video collaboration, uh, which is like to sum up a new alignment and decision making system for the distributed world. Uh, and the key idea is to say that uh, uh, now we have like this huge shift uh, to the distributed like uh, work. Uh, now people are going to work in both like at home, in offices, in co-working spaces, etc. Uh, it's going to impact the world for upcoming maybe like 10 years. Uh, but today it comes with one big issue, which is back-to-back -back meetings have become the norm. Like what used to take five minutes in the same office has turned like by default into like a 30 minute, 30 minute video call. And, and we like the, the core of the problem is that today, anytime we want to align and make decisions, we are stuck between like two options. So we have option one, asynchronous written communication. Like for example, Trello, which is like the stuff we used to have as we see learning, can be like emails, uh, Notion, Slack, and so on. It's flexible, but at some point we lack contact, we lack interactivity. So there's always a moment where like, okay, let's talk about it, let's align, and we end up in a Zoom call. Right. And the idea behind like async video collaboration is really to create a new way to align and make decisions that combines the flexibility of async communication with the context and interactivity of a meeting. And basically like, a, so in terms of like product and the way we build the product is to say when you want to create alignment, make decisions, there are like always four steps. So let's say, for example, I'm a product manager uh, I want to get like feedback on my, on my, uh, on a new prototype I'm working on. Uh, I need feedback from like many different stakeholders. It's something like a bit complex. Uh, I know I can't do it async, uh, because it like people are going to miss context. So instead of doing that, most of the time I'm going to run a series of meetings to present my stuff, to get feedback, to make decisions and so on. So instead of doing that, what I'm going to do, I'm going to start a recording of my screen presenting like the prototype then people like will receive the video will be able to annotate the video with feedback like and and this feedback is tied to both a specific minute but also a specific like zone of the screen that you can highlight mm -hmm. then we can have like it's going to open a thread so we can have like conversations related to this feedback that will be able to turn into next steps and decisions but without the need to be in the same room at the same time so it's really about like the 
the blueprint and the our framework is really bad. Like mm. you share recording with context, then you collect feedback, then you turn feedback into decisions. And at scale, what we are like trying to build is really with like the, the, the this idea of like workspace is to build a system of record for like decisions in the in the organizations because no one stuff realizes is that you know when we are all in the same office it's um, pretty easy to have context we can like grasp conversations we have a sense of what's happening but when we are not in the same office we have a void of context yeah. so we are trying to compensate by actually like scheduling meetings and uh, and and i think like that's why we speak more and more about how to create more transparency in organization And I think one mistake we 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 do uh, is that most of the time we approach that with like just the knowledge base angle. So we are going to create like huge knowledge base for months, only to realize maybe that two weeks after it's completely like outdated. But if you want to create transparency, actually like you need to give people access to like key decisions and actually like help them reverse engineer those decisions so they are able to basically like move forward and make decisions on their own and so on. And, and that that's typically like what uh, companies like Alan and uh, and 360 Learning are doing. On uh, for example, uh, Alan, they're like using GitHub uh, to centralize all decisions, uh, and 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 so it's kind of a hack yeah. uh, to do it. And the way we are like building Clap is really to become like this system of of decisions on the on the long run. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've worked at uh, a number of startups, and even when we were in the office, it can be challenging to find consensus or schedule time. Uh, and then the pivot to remote work in the early stages of the pandemic just threw every you know threw everything into a bit of, of chaos. So I'm curious, kind of, what you've experienced over the course of the past couple of years, the transition from you know fully uh, in office work to a full remote schedule was a, a big shift. And like you said, these back-to-back -back meetings, things that could have taken five minutes in the hallway now became 30-minute, you know, hour-long meetings. No one had time to do deep work or focused work because they're always trying, you know, context switching, trying to find each other on Slack or whatever other tool they're using. So what, what was that transition like? And now that we're moving into a more hybrid era, uh, what is what is the, the, the kind of the second big pivot Um, what, you know, how, how is that changing the way that people operate and, and how is CLAP solving for that? You know, it's, it's pretty funny because I think like the, the, the naming of the way we work, uh, my feeling that it's, it's changing every uh, three, four yeah. months. So uh, like last year, it was remote work. Uh, then it was a bit of like distributed work. Uh, now it's a bit of like hybrid work and so on. Mm. And, and I think it's more that uh like the moment where you don't have like all the people in the same office uh if you want to create an inclusive culture um whatever you call it but you need to be uh, um you need to be i think a thing first like uh, um for example it was um pretty funny because at 360 learning we were a thing first but when i joined we were in the same office everyone was in the same office Uh, then actually I left to New York and we opened, basically we opened like an office in London and another one in, in New York. And we were still in like offices. Uh, it was pretty easy to work remote, but like it was still like office first uh, company. Uh, but the way we operated was still like a, a thing first. Uh, and then with the pandemic, we made the switch to actually like remote first. And that was actually like pretty easy to manage. 
because like the operating system was missing first mm. and i think what matters is more uh, uh, not where people work it's more like uh, uh, the default way to communicate and to make decisions because i think like the the like whatever you call it distributed work hybrid work and so on i think the key stuff that we realized with the 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 pandemic uh, is that we live in a digital first world like uh, for example if you uh, um, what happened is that uh, uh, we got rid of the offices for like almost like two years and we realized that the world like didn't collapse like the uh, yeah. the work like the companies that didn't collapse but i think like if you had made the opposite so meaning like you got rid of all the softwares uh, and only keep like the only keep like the offices i think most companies would have collapsed yeah. and i think it's more like the the big realization is that we live in a digital first yeah. world it's almost like more important than the physical one yeah. And it means that we are now able to live in a more, much more like flexible uh, workspace. Some companies are going to work in offices. Uh, some companies are going to be like fully remote. We are like fully remote, for example. Um, some companies are going to do like a, a mix of both. But I think like the big learning is that we are able to, to we are not, uh, we don't need offices to be efficient. Right. And then like, uh, um, I think like companies will find then their balance. And also, second key learning, I think even like when launching Clap, uh, is as you said, like uh, some organization, as they grow, they become distributed even in the same office. Because, uh, for example, like Conto is like our biggest um, uh, customer. And most of the time, they are like in the same office. But maybe because they are like so big at the moment, even internally, it's really hard to catch up because like they don't have like the same schedules. Maybe they are like not at the, at the same floor and so on. So even like at a certain size, you become distributed. Even like, for example, at L'Oréal, uh, I had to interact with people in Korea, in China, in the US. And so it's, uh, it's, it's like it's distributed companies. Right. It's just like we don't, we don't really care anymore if people are in the office or not. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds to me like, you know, ultimately every company is going to have some distributed or remote component. And even if you work in the same office place, if you're at a scale up, new people are joining all the time, uh, catching up on context, back-to-back uh, -back meetings, it, it's, it's inevitable. Um, but the, the one uh, kind of key element of every company that seems to be successful at this new strategy is setting a tone and leading by example. Uh, so for example, you mentioned um, you know, the, the no meeting policy at Allen and the no meeting policy at 360 Learning. Um, what, what have you seen in some of the leaders that you work with, uh, customers or otherwise, or, or previous companies that have set, set that tone or policy early on to set the team up for success in a remote or hybrid or you know, whatever environment they, they determine best fit for the company? Yes, I, I think for me, it's, it, uh, it, I think it has to do in the way you, you collaborate in, the, in organizations. And I think there are like, I would say like um, three components in like uh, efficient collaboration. The first one is that the way you, you design your organization and your design scopes. And I think like one common stuff that uh, Alan and 360 Learning did well was to say, okay, we want to build like a distributed, but meaning like decentralized organization in terms of ownership. We want to make sure that people can be like quite autonomous on their scope. 
So it's really about like first, the first thing that you need to do is to design well your organization. So people don't need to align all the time because they know their mission, their goal, what they need to do, and they feel responsible uh, to achieve like those goals. I think the second part is really about like uh, road mapping, planification, and so on to really like uh, manage well like all the inter interfaces between like the different scope. So for example, if you take like a, a product launch, uh, it's going to involve like a lot of people in the in the organization. And you don't want to improvise that. You want to plan ahead uh, to know exactly what you want to do, who is going to do that, like the timing and so on. And then the last part of efficient collaboration is more like uh, on a daily basis, uh, like the way you uh, receive feedback, the way you make like decisions and you can have like tools like Clap, you can have like Trello and so on. But I think it has to like all those different like aspects, they, they have to be like uh, super clear. Uh, in order to build like efficient distributed organizations. Mm. Well, I want to talk a little bit about video. Uh, video is a key component of, of your kind of collaboration and asynchronous meeting tool. Um, there's, there's a couple things. Video is, is obviously trending uh, across the board. Um, part of that is a, a technological reason. And we, we have the bandwidth and we have the, the servers and we have the, uh, the devices to support uh, you know, endless streaming video. Uh, TikTok is a great example there. You know, it's the most popular social media app out there. Everyone's creating videos. Um, now, in the business context, there are a couple of tools that come to mind. I've used one uh, called Loom for recording videos internally and, and sharing them with uh, project teams, for example. I believe Gong uh, is a, another tool that's really designed for sales teams. You can record a, a demo and share it with a prospect and you know, see if they've opened it or viewed it. It helps with the, the kind of marketing funnel. Um, and now you, you guys are, are leveraging video as kind of the core component of what you're calling the, the asynchronous meeting blueprint. It's the ability to record the video, annotate the video, and create context around it. So uh, curious how you... Uh, decided to incorporate video and why that's such a, a key element of the product. And then maybe you can elaborate on the async meeting blueprint uh, or framework, uh, how you guys think about using video as the cornerstone of uh, context creation and collaboration at, in, in, in the enterprise or at a startup. Okay, yeah, super interesting. So I would say like the way we approach video uh, I think like the, the, the key question for us was like uh, um, how to solve the back-to-back -back meeting issue um, and, uh, and in the end like the, the one key stuff that we realize is that if, if we want to get rid of meetings it's not about like taking a meeting and moving like uh, moving it async like because people they don't want to watch like a 30 minute long like video like even async and uh, but the key question is that uh, what are like the core jobs to be done of meetings that we need to make sure that we do maybe 10 times better uh, a nesting tool and i think like one of them was like you know uh, one key aspect uh, what, what you have in meeting that you, that you don't have uh, in for example in a tool like uh, slack or emails like async written communication is really about like sharing context you know like we work on tons of like different documents can be like business plans, spreadsheets, uh, slide deck, uh, Figma prototypes and so on. And you know, like you, when you want to explain something, 
it's not enough to just like uh, write. You need to provide like more context. And you also, you want to provide like, I would say like high level context, so meaning like the problem that you are trying to solve, uh, the kind of issues you are trying to, to, to validate today, the kind of feedback you expect and so on. And this is something that you do like pretty easily when you're in a meeting, when you like start sharing your screen. So the idea of incorporating video as we like to replicate what we do live in a meeting, but that you can do like a sync. And, and that's why we have like one key component of like clap is we like video recording. This part is not that different from like Loom, for example. And that's why you can really like use clap the same way that you use Loom for like many use cases. But then like the, the and, and it's, I think it's a good point with like to explain also like the framework. But we also realize that the reason why we have like so many meetings is because like meeting is a default place to first share context, but also like to gather feedback, uh, precise feedback from any stakeholders. It's also the default place to make decisions and so on. And the idea was also was to really like build the product that does that. And that's why like the, the, the blueprint, the way we, the, the blueprint is to, to sum up, it's a way to explain the product Uh, compared to the problem we are solving. And it's also a way to present the roadmap and the way we are like building the product in the future. Mm. And this blueprint, we have like four pillars. So the first one is, and, and the key question is that um, async video collaboration or async meeting, it's a new way to make decisions, to create alignment. And when you want to make decisions, there are always four steps. The first one is that you share context, hence like the video recording. The second part is that you want to collect feedback And the key question is how to make it like super smooth to collect feedback. Then you want to turn feedback into decisions. And for example, we realize that in a meeting, there are a lot of features that we like that help people like turn feedback into decisions. For example, you can vote on some stuff. Uh, you have a notion of due date. Uh, you can also control that people in the room have actually like uh, seen what you are like sharing and mm -hmm. so on. And all those features are stuff that we are also introducing in the product. And then the last part is really about like sharing like the, those, deci those decisions and minutes. And that's really like the way we are like building the product. Yeah. Um, and also to answer your question about like the, so comparison versus Loom, I would say it's like a Loom, but designed for feedback and decisions, not purely for like video recording. Yeah. And compared to Gong, I think it's a different like use case. Gong is more like what they're doing is revenue intelligence. So like the key feature is to record like live meetings that you have uh, to be able to automatically analyze those calls, create alerts. So it's actually easier for sales managers, sales enablement managers to actually like uh, coach, uh, especially like remotely uh, their sales team because you can analyze everything. You can, let's say, like uh, track like uh, pricing discussions and so on. And in the end, I think that there are more and more like replacing, like uh, it's a new form of CRM, yeah. uh, like tracking all interaction with like customers. And, uh, but uh, on our side, it's more, uh, it's a new collaboration tool and it's really a new decision making system that we are like uh, creating. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I'm curious about kind of the, the longer term roadmap and, and I would imagine you've gotten some, some good feedback from early customers, but Uh, if you want to become the operating system of, of context, content, and decision-making uh, within a startup or an enterprise, uh, naturally, you're going to have to integrate with, with other tools uh, that the company is using and you know, to help build transparency or to create workflows between you know, one team or another. 
Uh, can you talk about kind of what the next stages are for Clap? Where, where, where do you see uh, the product moving? What direction in the next, you know, year, two years? Okay, so I think at the moment, like the, and if, and if we refer in terms of like integrations, but like one area that we are trying to improve is really like activation rate, like how to make it like super easy uh, to start recording a Clap for like uh, where you work. And that's why we are adding like a lot of like, integrations like to start recording from like figma from like spreadsheet google doc and so on so that's we really like the first part and at the moment we are like trying to make it like super easy to start like recording clubs for a from anywhere because in then if it, it's a what 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 we are building it's a new decision making system it's a new alignment system but it's super quick it's not a complex tool you can like uh, uh, start recording in like in five seconds uh, you can share a link and that's it. It's super easy. And we really want to nail like this, uh, this part because it's super important for activation. And I would say like on the other side of the spectrum, you have like this blueprint. So we are also like, uh, um, building up on what we have in terms of like workspace. So for example, like uh, today you can centralize all your recordings per what we call topic, but next week we are going to launch like teams and so on because the idea is really to to, and, and in the end, it's pretty close to what you have, for example, in collaboration tools such as ClickUp, uh, Asana, and so on, because it, and it's something that is really, really different compared to something like Loom, for example. It's really like it's a, it's a platform that we are building. And in, in terms of integration, also what it means is that, you know, all the decisions that you do in Clap, you'll make in Clap. Uh, you'll be able to push them into your project management tools such as Asana, Trello. Mm. So meaning that uh, uh, you have your video, you collect your feedback. Uh, then at some point, you want to mark the feedback as a decision, but also you want to create a task uh, from Clap, but directly to uh, Jira, for example. Sure. Okay. So uh, I guess that, that kind of reminds me of um, something you were talking about earlier is like a acquisition strategy. Uh, for a tool like this, what what is your 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 go to market uh, plan typically? Is it uh, you know product led growth, community led growth? Are you going for individual users who then love it so much that they kind of spread it within their organization? Uh, it, you know, it's supposed to be as you mentioned, like your your approach to building something that's you know super easy to use, integrated within other tools. Uh, I think of like a Google Chrome extension that makes it you know pretty uh, pretty simple to uh, to onboard a customer. Um, what, what have you seen thus far with your, your current user base and, and how is that impacting your, your, your direction? Yes. Yeah, so I think in terms of like a go to market, um, the way we enter into organization is really like the, I think the, 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 the land and expense strategy we have is to start with like product teams, yeah. uh, product managers, product designer, or even product marketers. So product and, and marketing, because this is where we we solve like the biggest alignment issue. Uh, you can, and, and you can start with a mix of like super tactical use cases, like a QA bug report, but also like more, more complex one, like a design reviews, for example. Yeah. And, uh, and then we see like uh, starting at the product team, but we like growing into the entire organization. So for example, like customer success is also like, a, um, the tool is pretty popular, like to, when you need to explain like a, complex stuff to your customers when you want to share like libraries of, uh, of recordings to your customers and so on. Um, so that's really like the, the, 
the go to market we have like land in the in the product uh, design marketing and then expand to the rest of the organization and in terms of acquisition channels uh, so it's a plg uh, we have like a, a plg uh, playbook um, because like it's it, you share a recording and then like people can comment on it and so that's really like one key part of the of the acquisition at the moment but we also want to uh, um, it's not the only one like the typical like uh, key channels that we have so we are not doing paid marketing and we are not going to do uh, uh, paid marketing i think for a long time because it's not you don't want to create a, um, a dependency too soon uh, when you do like plg but i would say it's like um, so plg viral loop it's one of them the second one is more seo uh, because you know like in the end with clap we solve like a uh, uh, problem for super specific use cases yeah. like for example uh, how to do a, a good design review uh, how to align on your product spec uh, how to do design testing and so on and we want to make sure that we cover all the keywords that uh, potential users are searching for um, third one i would say that works pretty well from the beginning is really like brand marketing campaigns and social media uh, such as like the launching on product hunt and we are trying to basically like do two big launches uh, every year. That's really like part of, you know, like the, the, when you do like category design, you want to have like a major announcement that you are doing like twice a year, what we call like strike. And that's really like one big part of uh, basically increasing word of mouth. Uh, and I would say like the last one is more like uh, co-marketing. Uh, what we like is that uh, we have like a, um, huge peak of uh, new sign up and visitors anytime we are like mentioned on the product newsletter all those kind of stuff so it's really something that we are going to try to to systematize more and more nice. very cool well I, 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 now we say it's it's pretty early we need uh, we need to iterate it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, all the channels we have in mind at the moment but we we just opened the product like one month ago uh, and uh, so we are now at this phase where we need to to crack the different uh, acquisition channels, right. or maybe have maybe like three of them, but we need to we need to test. Right. Well, I, I want to close out kind of thinking about the the future of of work. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that's something that you think about almost every day. Uh, work, working on uh, on clap. Um, there was a post uh, recently on Twitter from from Elon Musk of all people kind of threatening termination to employees. Uh, I think it was at Tesla who, who weren't coming back to the office. Now, obviously, that's uh, you know kind of a, a physical product, right? So there, there's a, a you know a, a, a line of people you know working at the factory who are putting together components or designing things. Um, but it, you know, there's a lot of discussion on Twitter around okay, are our executives going to start? You know, forcing people back into the office. Does this make sense for every company? Um, you know, what, what are we going to snap back in this post-pandemic era? I, I think you addressed it earlier in that you know every company is it's going to be kind of a it, it won't be a one size fits all. There's going there's going to be a variation across the board, and a lot of it is around setting the tone. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, kind of, what your impression was of of that particular instance on on Twitter and uh, this kind of lingering uncertainty around you know, how we are going to work and cooperate and come to decisions collectively uh, in, in this uncertain future. Yeah, so I would say like the post for me just illustrate that uh, 
the key question is that uh, are you in the digital first or uh, physical first industry yes. and it's true that when you do like uh, rockets and uh, and cars uh, it's hard to be like uh, digital first <laughs> right. uh, and uh, and i think like the the second question and i think it's a good point is more to how to build like uh, inclusive uh, culture mm. uh, when some people uh, has have to go to the office and some other are like uh, uh, remote yeah. Uh, and I think can also be the opposite in some hybrid organization that are in the end like office first organization. And a lot of people, they report that uh, when they work remotely, uh, then can, they can feel like uh, excluded. So right. I think it's, uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how it's going to, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be like a, a one size fits all. Uh, I think like what it shows that uh, um, people and employees are going to be like much more demanding in terms of uh, uh, culture, uh, culture building. Um, I think like uh, working in the same office, it removes a lot of, of the questions that you need to address uh, when building a company culture uh, because a lot of stuff are very, very organic. Uh, but when it's not like this, you need to be like much more intentional And so it's going, going to be much more challenging for organization uh, to define their, their culture. It's something they need to, they need to work on. Yep. Uh, and I would say like uh, in the end, like uh, remote work, it's going to stay because it's what people want. And it's also what the uh, most, I would say, like requested talent uh, are um, requesting. Like if, if you work in tech, uh, the key talent are like software engineers. And software engineers are the ones that really want to work uh, uh, remotely. Right. And I think like in the end, like uh, companies will adapt to that and we'll have to figure out a way to, to, to make it work. Yeah. So I, I, I don't feel like uh, companies will have the choice unless you define a very, very radical culture where you state uh, we only hire people uh, that work like full time in the office. Um, but but it's going to be like but they need to market it like this way and because I think like the point of company building and the uh, and culture building is not to have a culture that attract like one hundred percent of people is more to say that you want to be uh, loved by uh, maybe ten percent of people um, and so so it's completely fine not to appeal to ninety percent of people sure. so so I think like there is one path to say uh, we are like a office only a company. Uh, that can work, but I'm not sure it's going to be the majority of companies. Mm. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining and, and helping us navigate this uh, this brave new world of, of distributed work. Uh, and also congratulations on, on your uh, your success on, on Product Hunt and, and your launch. Uh, I know we've, we've been in touch for, for some time now, so it's exciting to see the, the evolution of, of CLAP and I look forward to, to seeing where you guys are uh, at, at the end of 2022. Thanks, Kai. Yeah, thanks for joining. All right.